0: Welcome to the allegra PowerCast with Allegra Sinclair. Get ready to punch fear in the throat, show up, and tell your story. Allegra Sinclair is here to help you become the powerful woman you are meant to be. It's finally time to get unstuck and reveal how fabulous you are. And it's time for your host, Allegra Sinclair. Hey, this is Allegra. Welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. This is going to be un. Not an unusual podcast based on the topic, but unusual in that we're usually talking with women who are all about online business. And today we're going to get to get some great expertise and information from someone whose expertise lives in the real world. <laughs> so um, Dr. Tracy Marks is a psychiatrist and she focuses on working with women who are overwhelmed, overtired, undernourished, (laughs) you know, too stressed out, over busy, all of those things so that she can help them actually manage their lives and enjoy it. I think too often we get in a pattern of just trying to get through stuff so then we can live life, but we're so busy getting the through stuff that we don't realize that that is the life. So Dr. Marks at her website beyondburnout.com Definitely focuses on working mothers, because as a working mother herself, she knows what she's talking about, right? And she has uh, worked with patients as well as friends on uh, helping them find solutions to avoid this burnout. She has over 18 years of experience uh, as a psychiatrist, and she specifically focuses on sleep challenges, mind-body connection, and lifestyle management. So today, we are going to be blessed with the expertise around sleep management from Dr. Tracy Marks. Hi, Dr. Marks. Hi. Thank you for having me here. Thank you for coming. This is such a. This topic is so near and dear to my heart because I have all sorts of sleep disruptions. I'll call them. (laughs) And for years, I didn't know that my lack of sleep was such a big deal. So let's kind of start there. How do we know that? lack of sleep is a big deal. And kind of why do we know now? Because it used to be like a badge of honor, right? Not just when you're in college, but it used to kind of be a badge of honor when you were building your career and you'd say, oh my gosh, I'm running on two and a half hours of sleep and six cups of coffee. So when did we learn that's not such a great thing? <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: you know, I still think it's a badge of honor. I listen to a lot of podcasts and I'll still hear people say um, if they've got a startup going or trying to get their business going, "Oh, I, I you know, I haven't been sleeping and I'm living on coffee, but I'm going to get it done. So we still are in this mode of shaving off sleep in order to accommodate all the things that we need to do during the day. How do you know when that's not working? Your body eventually says, I'm done with this.
0: <laughs> how does it say that? Because <laughs> I love talking about how um, you want to be quiet every now and then so you can hear your body when it whispers because it has to. if it has to shout, you'll be really unhappy. <laughs> yes. So how does your body tell you enough? Well,
1: it starts out in more subtle messages like um, feeling irritable, uh, things getting to where they're just, everything just seems hard. You might feel tired all the time. You might even lose enthusiasm for the things that you're doing. You're ready to quit because it just seems like, what's the point? And that's when people start getting close to burnout, when they have the combination of physical fatigue as well as mental fatigue or um, lack of passion for what they're doing because they're just not seeing positive outcome from all their efforts. And they're running their body too
0: hard. Now, what's fascinating is it sounds like some of the um, messages that your body is sending you sound like depression to me. So I understand uh, we're talking about burnout and stress, et cetera, But some of those things like... Um, it just seems like everything's too hard and kind of that overwhelm. Do people sometimes present with depression when really they might be sleep deprived?
1: Oh, absolutely. Because chronic sleep deprivation can cause depression. I mean, chronic sleep deprivation can cause a lot of problems, both mental and physical. But um, in fact, some more subtle things are having trouble losing weight. You can gain weight from not getting enough
0: sleep. Okay. We just need to say that again. (laughs) Not getting Uh, sleep makes me fat? Absolutely. Yes. How? I mean, I love that because then you're thinking, because now I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, all I have to do is get more sleep? Is just go to sleep, basically.
1: So what happens is in the body is that when you don't get enough sleep, you get elevations in the stress hormone cortisol, cortisol, two high levels of cortisol does a lot of things, but one of which is it messes around with your sugar metabolism in your body, because that's one of the things that cortisol does is it kind of mobilizes sugar in your bodies and etc. But so... When it's out of whack like that or too high, you can get abnormal um, metabolism of sugar or your body kind of slows down in how it
0: um, metabolizes the things that you eat. Wow. So lack of sleep, I'm just, see, I'm not um, a psychiatrist, (laughs) so I'm just breaking it down in like my language. So lack of sleep slows my metabolism down, which makes me fatter or could make me make it more difficult for me to lose weight.
1: Yes. So people can also have an increased appetite, which contributes to that. But a, a subtle way you can see it other than just, oh, now I'm five pounds heavier, is you are trying to lose weight. You have not, um, you're doing all this exercise and you still, the the scale just either keeps going up or is not going down at all. That's another way people can see that they're, um, the weight gain aspect of it.
0: That is sobering. What other types of things does lack of sleep do to our bodies?
1: Okay. So one of the important things that happens during sleep is what's called memory consolidation. And what does that mean? (laughs) Yes. I was about
0: to say, and what is that?
1: (laughs) Yes. I just had to use a technical term, but (laughs) what it really means is that is when your brain puts together all the things that you learn during the day and helps you remember them and recall them later. So it's like you take in all this data or information during the day, and then when you sleep, it's all that data goes into this factory and you get it gets filed into different um, compartments so that you can retrieve it later. It's like a, a, a data organization center, if you want to think of it that way. And that's what happens when we sleep. So when you don't sleep enough, you don't get, you can't remember as well as, um, you can't remember all of the things that you need to do or even take or remember new learned information, if you will.
0: Now I think, so it's funny because as I'm thinking through these things and I don't even know how I came to think about sleep except that probably, I think about 10 years ago I was diagnosed with sleep apnea Mm -hmm. and I only knew what that was because I had observed my brother have it. He wasn't actually being treated for it at that time, but I learned about this. And for anybody who's listening, who doesn't know, you stop breathing. I don't know mm-hmm. any other way to say that, right? So you stop breathing in your sleep, but it's often characterized by like really loud snoring because as you start breathing again, there's this like really loud snoring uh, noise as a, for some people, I guess, right? I can only speak to the experiences that I have witnessed, but that was the first time I started thinking about sleep. And I remember that um my father was staying with me. I had lived alone for years, and my father was staying with me and told me, I don't know, after he'd been there a couple nights, honey, you snore. And I was like, get out of here. You mean I purr gently? He's <laughs> like, <laughs> No, I mean like like a buzzsaw, like a bear. You like snore like a bear. And I was like, that is just not elegant. <laughs> so I talked to my doctor and I went off to the sleep study. But the thing that I remember is I wasn't freaked out about CPAP machines or masks or any of that, you know, that I know trouble some people. The thing that struck me was the next morning after I came out of sleep study, I was like, has the sky always been blue? (laughs) 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 I felt like my hair was alive. I was so awake, blew my mind, blew my mind because I don't know how long I had it, but I was so asleep or so sleepy and lacking in this, what did you call it? Memory consolidation for so long. Mm-hmm. I thought it was other stuff. So I thought, oh, well, I'm just one of those people. I called, I coined this term, I called it sad situational ADD because <laughs> there were times when I was on fire and other times when I couldn't remember stuff, right? Because it seemed like I was thinking too many things at one time. But once I got on sleep, therapy, I was like, oh my gosh, I have been yes. asleep for like 12 years. And I thought, why aren't people talking about this? <laughs> right? So I found out because it was a very specific and very personal issue, but I'm just stunned still that people aren't talking about it as much. So does it affect women more than men or about the same? Actually, it really does affect, it tends to
1: affect men more than women the kind of um, stereotypical person is the person who's overweight and snores um, and older, but you can have someone who's thin um, and doesn't snore that loudly and still have sleep apnea. Um, sleep apnea occurs when there's some sort of obstruction or at least obstructive sleep apnea. There's two types, but obstructive sleep apnea, which is a more common one. Win occurs when there's something blocking, getting enough airflow from outside your nose to inside your body and then your brain, not getting enough oxygen, and that can come from being overweight and having too much tissue around your throat, but people with uh, lots of nasal polyps or if they've ever or deviated
0: septum yes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i call it jacked up sinuses Yes, <laughs> but i think the technical term is deviated septum, deviated septum. yes, or yes
1: chronic sinusitis or cr- lots mm-hmm. of sinus problems and congestion all of those things can make you not take in enough air or or and, and and another issue with it being happening during sleep is that when you relax all of your throat tissues and 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 um, kind of mouth tissues, if you will, um, relax. And so it's harder to get, and they can close off in a way that doesn't happen when you're up and talking right. and things like that. So right. you don't get enough oxygen through, and then your brain just kind of, you stop breathing. And then your brain, there's an automatic mechanism to wake you up or to force you into Which is breathing. Lovely. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? We were made so wonderfully. I know, wonderfully
0: made.
1: <laughs> yes, he's all these backup systems. So yes. yeah, the backup generator turns on and then you will hear, often you will hear in people who are snoring anyway, this choking sound that you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, that's also pretty characteristic of sleep apnea, but people don't have to wake up that dramatically and still have this on, off, all the way through the night of stopping, breathing, restart, stop, restart.
0: Right which is fascinating. So I know people are talking a lot. They're talking more about it now, um, but certainly not as much, as much as I think they should based on how um, significant an issue lack of sleep is. So um, with uh, your audience and your patients, I imagine... So I know I feel like my life is insane. And sometimes I'm like, if I get five hours tonight, even laying down, not even five hours totally asleep, I'm going to be doing good. I don't do that as much now as I used to because I no longer think it's a badge of honor to say I'm running on four hours because now I realize if I'm running on four hours sleep, I'm not being as full Allegra as I could <laughs> because <laughs> I'm working with like half of all the good stuff. Right, That's I'm right. physically tired. I um, I didn't know about memory consolidation, but my brain doesn't work as well. Right, I have the brain fog, so I certainly think people should be talking about it more. But I imagine that it's exponentially troubling. If you're like a working mom, right, which most of your audience is, because in addition to the stuff that you need to take care of for you as an individual every day or the things that you need to do for your work every day, and then you add that layer on top that you were trying to do similar things for your children. So most of your patients, are they um, working through issues with trying to get better balance for themselves, or is it more about them trying to get better balance for their children? Because I think children are also over busy now. Um, so which do you yeah. see more of?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I end up spending most of the time talking about them because... Because they are often so focused on the children and family that they neglect themselves, when they're in my presence, it's like, finally, somebody's listening to me and I get a chance to talk. So we don't often spend a lot of time talking about the kids. But I tell you, I recently did a career day at my son's school and I was telling them about what I did, psychiatrist, and all this. And I just happened to ask, um, anybody have trouble sleeping? And I was surprised, this is a third grade class, that like almost all of the kids raised their hands. Wait, third grade, what is that, nine? Yes. And I was like, wow. really? And so I started... So then I started asking all the classes that. And I would say probably 75% of them said that they had a sleep problem. Now, what's a sleep problem for them? Well, that could be mom makes me go to bed. So I didn't get into <laughs> all that. Right. But what I did see was that um, a lot of them, when I'd ask them what time they went to bed... A good portion of them, they all kind of consistently woke up around 6.30. Um, some of them would go to bed around eight-ish, which is when they should go to bed. But a lot of them were going to bed nine, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, which is
0: way too late for a that nine age A nine-year-old is staying up until 11 o'clock? Staying up at playing what are games. Oh, say, what, there you are, go. what are they doing? Oh, I was what are they doing? playing games. Playing
1: games. And, you know, we didn't get into this, but for an adult, the average amount of sleep that we should be getting is between seven and nine hours. And for kids that age, it's more like 10 to 12 hours. And the reason I bring this up is because in the way this can affect the working moms or the family is that if you have a job, so, well, let me just say, if your child needs 10 hours of sleep and they have to get up at 6, that means they need to be asleep, completely unconscious, by 8 o'clock. Well, if you're not getting home until 6 o'clock and then dinner and then there's
0: homework, it's hard to fit all that in before 8 o'clock. And it's difficult to go to sleep at 8 and be totally asleep at 8 if you just ate at 7.45. That's right. I'm just yes. saying. Not that I know this personally. <laughs> but they're all, ideally, there's a little time between the meal and the trying to go to sleep part of this. Right? <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah, so that makes for a very cramped and
1: tight evening routine Mm -hmm. that can be an additional layer of, say, the working mom versus the single mom. I was single for a long time before I got married, Um, one of those older women getting married. And um, so I remember the days of coming home and it just being all about me, and I was watching movies. I remember Netflix had just recently come out, and I was like, how many Netflix movies can I watch before I have to return these? And And now the thought of actually having time to watch an entire movie, I can't even relate to that.
0: (laughs) Well, speaking as a singleton, isn't that what they called it in Bridget Jones? (laughs) I don't even have Netflix. I have um, Amazon Prime. I cannot tell you the last time I watched a movie. Wow. Okay. Because there's just so much stuff and I'll Mm -hmm. look up after dinner. So I really don't try to start eating dinner, which is an issue, um, which is leading me to the next point of this. So, okay. So now we're all frightened that we're not getting enough sleep. So what do we do better? Right. So how do we improve that? So I should start eating earlier, which I don't, cause I'm typically eating dinner at like eight, which is ridiculous, but that's what happens. So then at nine o'clock, you know, I'm finishing cleaning up and then I'm like, you know, puttering, you know, doing stuff around the house. And then like, email, you know, whatever, taking care of my life, taking care of business mm-hmm. stuff. And then I look up and it's one o'clock in the morning and I'm like, crap mm-hmm. on a cracker. Mm-hmm. I swore <laughs> I was going to bed at 11 and it's one o'clock. Right. And that does happen more frequently than I would like. But um, I, one of the things I do to try to get myself to sleep more is I have a Fitbit you know, that little pedometer thing yeah, and it tracks your sleep. And I'm like, it's like a game for me, right? So I've applied gamification to my sleep pattern. So I want the little Fitbit to give me that little buzz and smile at me that I was in bed for seven hours. <laughs> so <laughs> hopefully sleeping, but, um, so sometimes I'll think to myself, Oh my gosh, it's one. If I'm going to get my seven hours, I mean, I have to go right now, you know, based on when I have to get up. So the Fitbit And I know it's about steps and walking, but for me, it's an encouragement to sleep better because I want that little endorphin rush I get when my little silly Fitbit says, good job, you were in bed for seven hours. Oh, nice. (laughs) So, If people are um, wired by gadgets like me, what can we do to improve our sleep?
1: Well very good. I like I haven't used that gadget. And but that's a that's a great encouragement or a good motivator for mm-hmm. people. So where I usually start with people is and I'm so glad you gave your scenario because you would be one of these people I'd be talking to <laughs> about this. Yes. If <laughs> your you?
0: practice was not in Atlanta, I could very well be one of the burnt people <laughs> sitting in your chair. Sitting
1: in my office. Okay. Mm-hmm. So where I tell people to start is to start with a bedtime, and that might seem very self-evident like, yeah, and, but you don't have a bedtime. What do you do? You do stuff, and then you happen to notice what time it is, and yes. a lot of people do that. And I'll ask, well, what time is your bedtime? Well, it depends. Well, it shouldn't depend. You need to set a time to go to bed every single night.
0: Oh, Okay. So it's not like every day I can set the time based on that day's activities? No. Okay.
1: So why? There needs to be a... Because your body is on a clock okay. and your body, like just like... Well, you don't have kids, but well, I assume you don't have kids, but I don't,
0: you don't have to. Okay, good. So uh, I have you, older people though. I have 78 year old children.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. They do the same thing. Yes, so, you
0: know, who'll pick up the phone and, you know, and I love them, right? I have a cousin who's 98 and still lives alone. I mean, she's oh, ninja, but goodness. so I do have, um, tug family tugging on me. They're just tugging at me at different ends of the age spectrum.
1: Okay, well, we kind of regress and get back to our toddler days, (laughs) but so what I was going to say is just like toddlers need a routine or they get fussy, we still need routines as adults because our bodies are on a clock. So you should vary, you should only vary your sleep by about maybe an hour here or there on any given night. So what you should do is let's just say you need, so what you do is you determine what time do I need to get up in the morning. And then you work backwards seven, eight, nine, whatever you need for to feel rested, and that's going to be your bedtime. So let's say it's ten o'clock. Then you start an hour before, and that is your wind down and your prep for bedtime.
0: Okay. So so what Sleep. happens in wind down?
1: Wind-down is, so let's just say 10 o'clock is your bedtime, okay. nine, from 9 to 9.30 is when you stop the electronics, you, you um, get off Facebook, you, do, you, get, you, do, you stop doing stuff, no more emails, and you brush your teeth, whatever you normally do to prepare for bed. Mm-hmm. Then from 9.30 to 10 is when you are trying to go to sleep. So you're listening to peaceful music or you are reading or something that is relaxing to prepare
0: you to fall asleep. So in essence, I'm getting in bed before I'm trying to go to sleep. That's right. That's interesting because I've kind of heard the opposite. But I think... Getting into bed 30 minutes before I'm actually trying to go to sleep probably helps with one of the other questions I was going to ask, which is, well, what happens if I say I'm going to make 10 o'clock my bedtime, but I get in bed at 10 and I lay there and I toss and turn and spin for 30 minutes?
1: Right. Okay. So the the time that it takes you to fall asleep is called... Sleep latency, I, I have to throw these terms in so hey. I can sound like I know what I'm talking about.
0: <laughs> if I was a doctor, I think every other word would be some medical yeah. term, just in case people forgot. <laughs> yeah, I don't want you to forget I'm a doctor. Okay, so. <laughs> Just bring them on out there. So sleep latency is sleep the period of time it takes me to fall asleep?
1: It's is the period that it takes you to fall asleep. Okay. A normal sleep latency is under 20 minutes.
0: Normal. Okay. Right. And
1: actually, more than about five, more than five minutes. If it if you lay down and you fall asleep within a couple of minutes, that is actually a sign of sleep deprivation. When you fall asleep way too quickly. Really? Yes. Oh.
0: Okay. So. <laughs> I believe you, doctor. I'm just, yes, like, so you're please. just blowing my mind because see, I thought I knew some stuff about sleep. that I'm finding it I didn't really know. well, I did know it, but it, I, you can know things that are wrong. <laughs> that's very easy to do these days. Yes. Okay. On so the internet, if, I, if so. you fall asleep within five minutes, that's a sign of sleep deprivation. That's a sign of sleep deprivation. Wow. Okay.
1: So um, so anyway, so yeah, if you are. So what you've probably heard about the whole being in bed and lying there and all that kind of stuff is that if you cannot fall asleep within 20 minutes or let's even just say maximum 30 minutes, then you should get out of bed and not sit in bed fretting about the fact that you can't fall asleep. That is true. I have heard that. You've heard that. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what I'm talking about, this like prep for bed or this 30 minutes before bed, you don't have to be in the bed. You could be in a chair next to your bed reading or something, and they just kind of stumble into the bed uh, when you start feeling sleepy. But the, the point is, is that you, that 30 minutes is your relaxation to fall asleep. That should be part of your sleep latency, as opposed to, I want to be asleep by 11, so I'm getting in the bed and turning off the light at 11. Well, you, you, you need to build in some time to fall asleep.
0: That's fascinating. So, um, it's not all about me, but I'm obviously applying what you're saying (laughs) to like my own life and processing it as we're talking. And I have heard before, if you can't sleep, get up and do something else. So I have always done that. Well, not always, but I'd say over the, like the last, um, I don't know, seven years, if I couldn't fall asleep, then I got up and did something else. I've also tried the, um, I have a pad of paper by the bed, and mm-hmm. whenever I'm thinking about, like, that my brain won't shut off, I write that down. That works well. Or yes. nowadays, right, it's um, some sort of smartphone. So I'll pick up my phone and leave myself a voice message or, like, a little audio note. So then I'll think, oh, well, because, you know, right before I go to sleep is when I think I'm my most brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> but then I'm afraid that when I wake up, I won't remember that brilliance. So I'll have my um, iPhone right there, and I'll just make an audio note so that whatever I thought was brilliant doesn't leave me. Oddly enough, most of the time when I listen to it in the morning, it's not nearly as brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) It it is not nearly as earth-shaking in the light of day, Um, but I have tried that as well. But I think overall what I'm hearing is you have to prepare to sleep successfully.
1: Yes. So um, bedtime should be something you prepare for, not something that just happens upon you because you look at the clock or you're starting to get tired. And um, so the one other thing I wanted to throw in before I forgot is um, in the prep for bed, that 30 minutes before, if you're someone who likes to, say, read on an iPad or read on a device, I would recommend using blue light blocking glasses because... These devices...
0: Blue light blocking glasses?
1: Blue light blocking glasses. Never heard
0: of those. Okay.
1: Okay. So good. You're learning something else from me. (laughs) (laughs) So these devices emit a uh, light that has a little bit of a blue color. It's not entirely blue, which is similar to the wavelength and frequency of sunlight Sunlight is a very powerful trigger or stimulant for setting and resetting your body clock. So there's been more studies showing that um, evening exposure to too much light actually reduces your sleep and actually contributes to depression. That's a whole another. That's a whole another topic.
0: Yeah, we'll have to talk about that one another time. Yeah, that you said devices. So like. My iPhone, what about like my laptop? I try not to do this because I know it's poor sleep hygiene, but I do often have my laptop on a lap desk in my bed. Does the laptop also emit blue light? Yes. Oh, okay, everything, okay. Yeah, so these devices... Because I was feeling all virtuous for not having the iPad.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 no. But now
0: you're telling me the laptop does it also. The laptop too.
1: So the blue light blocking glasses, it sounds very complicated or, or technical, but really they're just sunglasses with an orange filter.
0: Where do you get blue? It sounds a little Iron Man. Where do you get know, blue light? Right? Or oh, is it like the blue blocker glasses you see on like late TV, late night TV? Probably so. Yeah.
1: They're called a lot of different things, but yeah, they're essentially blocking blue light and they use an orange lens to do that. You can get them on Amazon. Okay. I got a new pair because my son broke my pair recently for like $20. Okay. Um, so, and maybe even cheaper than that, 10 bucks, but yeah, so I'd recommend those. I use them religiously every night and I will fall asleep in front of them on my, looking at my iPad, whereas I have for, not used them before and been like, why can't I fall asleep? And then remember, I forgot to put on my sunglasses.
0: That is fascinating. I didn't know that at all. Blue light acts like the sun, which wakes you up, obviously. Which wakes you up. That's
1: right. Hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Wow. Okay. So prepare to sleep successfully. Make sure that I um, either turn off the electronic devices 30 minutes before or try to block some of that light, which prevents sleep. Are there other things that we need to do? What about the whole drink a whole glass of water before you go to sleep? Please don't do that. Okay. Why not? (laughs) I I saw that on USA Today. It was supposed to be good for your heart. Okay, so if you are, yeah, water
1: is great for your heart, mm-hmm. but don't do it right before bed. Okay. Why? Mm-hmm. Because your bladder will fill up, and then it will wake you up before you're ready to wake up. Oh, mm-hmm. So what I usually recommend people is no fluid at all an hour before bed, and go to the bathroom right before you go to bed. So that you can get, you can sleep the maximum amount of time that your kidneys will allow for you, um, and not have to wake up two or three hours before you should be getting up so you can go and use the bathroom.
0: Wow. Okay. And what about what we eat? So, are there things that we eat? And I'm not saying like, um, Pepperoni pizza. I mean, are like classes of food or food groups that make it harder to go to sleep or stay asleep? Because I think the other thing when people are um, dealing with a lot of sleep deprivation, they might go to sleep, but then they wake up and they can't go back.
1: Yeah. So broken sleep is is also a problem. Some people can fall asleep just fine. And then a few hours later, they're awake and mm-hmm. almost feeling like they're ready to start their day. Yeah. It's
0: like their body's like, okay, we're done with that. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for coming.
1: Yeah, exactly. Let's go here. So one of the things that can really do that is alcohol too close to bedtime. Okay. So some people, many people will use alcohol as a nightcap. So they help them wind down and it'll help you relax and go to sleep. But then about three, four hours later, as it wears off in your body, it stimulates you. It's a it's a um, central nervous system stimulant when it starts to wear off. It's a depressant as it's, Ooh. you know, in your system. So you can get awakened. And for some people, it can be an awake that only lasts a couple minutes. They fall back asleep, so they're not bothered by that. And then other people, they can be too awake. But even for the people who are able to go back to sleep fairly soon, you still don't really want choppy sleep we do best when we can sleep straight through for the entire seven to nine hours rather than have it broken up.
0: Hmm. Okay. So besides alcohol, are there other food groups? Now I'm not talking about the obvious stuff. Like if you eat something right before you go to bed that gives you heartburn, well, hello. Right. But are there other groups of food? Like, um, I don't know if you are hungry and you need to have a snack before bed. Do you make sure that's protein? Do you avoid fruit? Anything like that?
1: You know, I I've done some research on this um, because there's different recommendations people will have of food to help you sleep, like things like um, turkey or or things that have uh, that increase your tryptophan levels and things like that to kind of help relax you for sleep. The problem with that is that the amount that you need to eat to get the amount that you need in your body to be significant is a lot. So. To eat, For, right okay. to eat right before bed, you say right before bed. So like mm-hmm. a, the glass of milk thing, or oh yeah, myth, I remember I call that. It. Yes. Yeah, hot the milk. idea hot milk is that you're getting tryptophan and da 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 da, which which um then leads to serotonin increase, blah blah blah. Well, you need like six glasses. To get like a significant amount of tryptophan, who's going to drink
0: six glasses of milk? And then you're going to be... Not me, because you said no liquids (laughs) for an hour. See, I am coachable. You said, so I certainly (laughs) couldn't drink six glasses of milk if I'm not supposed (laughs) to drink one glass of water. See, I learned. There you go. All right. Okay. Okay. So I saw something. So I was at a health food store yesterday and I was actually looking for something because I have cramps in my legs. I dramatically changed my diet about a month ago and I'm just in the last week or so really dealing with cramps in my calves. And someone said, oh, you need magnesium. There's this thing you buy and you drink it at bedtime. So I was in the health food store looking for this item. And it's supposed to, I think it's magnesium. And I didn't pick it up because, A, I don't just take random stuff without checking with my doctor based on the other meds that I take. But, B, I thought, well, it's not that I have trouble sleeping. So it's kind of like people who are having trouble sleeping, so they take allergy meds. I don't take meds that offer a benefit for a situation I'm not having. (laughs) So that's why I was kind of getting to the, oh, do these things really work? And I'm not talking about like um, Tylenol PM and stuff like that. But someone was like, oh, you have to have magnesium and then it helps you go to sleep. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, I think if it works for you, great. But I'm always nervous about making a medical pronouncement since I have no degrees that um, something worked for me will work for everyone when it just might not. You know, like natural calm. I can't remember. I think it's magnesium something.
1: It is. It is. And magnesium is a known muscle relaxant. So it actually is a good thing that you could take, that anyone could take, not only to help fall asleep, but just to relax in the evenings. Oh, okay. So yeah. that wasn't
0: a bad thing. See, That I was always, not a bad see, thing. Someone will mention it to me. I'll go look at it at the store, and then I have to go and like get actual medical information <laughs> because I know you can have all sorts of drug interactions, right? So some meds you may take also may um, interrupt your sleep, right?
1: Right. Some medications that you take can be too stimulating. Um, and usually the thing that dictates when someone takes a medicine is how it affects their sleep. So stimulating medicines, you should take in the morning and ones that make you sleepy, you just switch it to nighttime. But people can take things that just, it doesn't really matter when they take them, they're still too stimulating for them and it right. interferes
0: with their sleep later. Right which is when they need to talk to their doctor because that's the yes. other thing. So, you know, wherever, you know, four or five women are gathered, there's all sorts of medical information <laughs> being shared. And, <laughs> nine to- and nine and a half times out of 10, none of the people sharing it have any <laughs> medical training. And I'm not hating. I share information all the time. I'm just saying um, we know that in, you know, the 25, 30 minutes we're chatting, we're not going to solve every sleep issue, right? That's so, right. Um I think it's very a, complicated. I think it is, but I think it's also, um, the headline for me is, it's also worth looking at, right? So we're always looking at other stuff. So we're looking at, you know, um, okay, I'm, we're girls, we can say this, we're always looking at like, well, how do my boobs look, right? <laughs> how do the right. girls look? Or, you know, my shoes, or right? we think about all these other things, but we don't think about more of the internal things. And sleep has the opportunity to affect so many other pieces of our lives, I just I want to make sure we don't forget that. So I know that you have a course. Can you tell us a little bit more about your sleep course?
1: Yes, I wrote a book a couple of years ago called Master Your Sleep with a lot of the things that we've talked about in it. And then I decided, you know what? Let me make this a little bit more visual. So I made it into a video course called Master Your Sleep oh, as cool. well. Mhm. So it has several modules um it, the, the, the introductory ones are just kind of informing you about sleep and, and more educational. And then the, late, the latter modules are more intervention-related. So essentially what I was trying to do is there's a whole cognitive behavioral therapy approach to sleep, of changing behaviors and the way you think before you go to sleep, all of that kind of stuff, to treat sleep which has been shown with studies to be more effective long-term than medication. The the problem is a lot of doctors don't know how to do it. It's time-consuming. And so if you go to see your doctor and you're there for 15 minutes, there's just not very much they're going to be able to say to you about it. If you go and pay someone to kind of teach you step-by-step, it's expensive. So I decided that's the inspiration in both the book to be a self-help thing, to help you with whatever sleep problem you have, and then this course as well, to kind of take cognitive
0: behavioral therapy
1: and break it down and help you do it for yourself.
0: Awesome. So I know that um, my audience can find that at beyondburnout.com slash course, and this will be in the show notes. But again, it's at beyondburnout.com slash course and i think it's an important to understand um no matter what you're talking about right a 30 minute conversation or watching steve harvey interview an expert or even oprah the almighty oprah for that matter um it takes more than one conversation to address something that is important and certainly something that's as important as sleep right? that's right so have, have we missed anything? I mean, I know we have covered a ton, and I thank you so much for being here because I learned so much, and I expected to learn stuff, but I was like, wow, I'm taking notes so quickly. I was like, wait, what am I talking about? Because <laughs> I'm writing and talking at the same time. Have I missed anything that you want to make sure that my audience knows?
1: Well, I did want to throw in that uh, for me, my interest in sleep and my um, – how I've made it a priority also is a vanity issue. I mean, granted, there's a lot of um, health benefits or, I guess, health detriments to not sleeping. And the and just the fact that you you can be so much more efficient if you are well-rested. And you can get to the point where you forget what it feels like to be rested when you just don't sleep enough. Okay, mm, that, that's that,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: but that aside... Um, when you see someone and they look older than they, than, than they really are, or, you know, sleep has a whole lot to do with that. In addition to what you eat, because diet is super important too for your health, and alcohol, drugs, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, those things can make someone look a whole lot older, but I'm telling you, Sleep makes a huge difference in just the way your face looks, everything. So, um, you know, I know we're talking to women here. uh, That also plays into it.
0: (laughs) So what I heard, I don't know what everyone else heard, but what I heard you (laughs) promised was, if I get my sleep together, I will not be fat and I'll look younger. So it's like a liposuction slash facelift in a pillow. Is that what you're saying? (laughs) That's right. (laughs) I love that. Well, I'm glad you added that because that's important, right? I'm sorry. How you look impacts how you feel, right? We want to feel powerful and I'll feel more powerful if I look younger and I'll look younger if I get enough sleep. That's right. Look younger, be fun. thinner. Girl, it's a life change in a pillow. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you again so much for spending time with us. And I would love to have you come back again. And uh we only touched on one of your areas of expertise. And there were a couple others that I was like, ah, man, we need to touch on that too. But we'll touch on that another time. So again, thank you, Dr. Tracy Marks. Oh, you're so welcome. Much, you're um, welcome. For spending time with us. We will definitely check out your website and we'll keep looking for when you pop up on CNN and Huffington Post and all those good sites as well. So you have a powerful day. Great. Thank you. Now you've been given permission to be more powerful and influence more people. If you've enjoyed this episode, please head over to sinclair.com slash iTunes and leave a review. It will help Allegra get the message out to more women that they can punch fear in the throat, show up, and tell their stories. We'll see you next time on the AllegraTivity PowerCast with Allegra Sinclair.